I'm here ready for the word of the Lord. Come on now, put your hands together. So glad you're here today. We want to welcome all those watching online. This is going to be a great Sunday. We are continuing in our series we started last week called The Promises. The Promises. How many are thankful that God's, all of God's promises are yes and amen? You need to let that be your theme for this year. God, I thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. That when I'm, no matter what I'm going through in my life, no matter what I'm facing in my life, God promised me he would never leave me nor forsake me. God promised me that he would always be with me, that he would always carry me, that he would always do whatever is necessary. God is always with me. Hope is still alive. You know, the world can be kind of scary, can it? You watch the news, it can be scary. Uh, prices are going up. Supplies are in short demand. The left seems to be versus right. Seems like our country's in a civil war for good, for evil. They try to put us against each other. It's not the way it is. And have you noticed that whatever we fear is usually, usually out of our control, Right? The things we fear the most are usually out of our control. And if I could really be honest, probably 90% of the things we are worried about and fearful of never come to pass anyway. Never happen. But if we're not careful, we'll allow our, our mind, we'll allow our, our lives to be dominated, worrying and, and full of fear about the things that might go wrong, things that are wrong. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my, my children? Uh, fear looks at the situation and expects the worst. But hope looks at the situation and says the best is still yet to come according to what God has promised. Come on now. How many want to look at situations and say the best is still to come? Turn to your neighbor and tell them and say the best is still to come. How can you say that, Pastor? Because God is still moving and in control. No matter what's happening, God is still moving today and is in still control. We can have hope today. So how do we allow hope to overcome our fears? Well, I want to look at a story uh, it's a familiar story to many of you, I'm sure. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories growing up in the Bible. I love this story. If you've never heard it, I can't wait to share it with you today. It's a story of what the Bible calls the three Hebrew children. Now, they were not children. They were actually three young men. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me give you the, the background here. Babylon had just conquered Israel and taken captive all the Israel. Then they brought all the brightest Israel, young men and women. They brought all the brightest and young minds, and they placed them into their schools of leadership, and they began to train them how to lead, and they were raising up a new generation uh, of leaders that would follow them, how they wanted to be basically brainwashed the guys who were in the Babylon who were coming from Israel. They wanted to brainwash them and to put them into their rule, how they're thinking to leave their Jewish heritage behind and how to see a new way and to operate in a new way. So they were bringing the young and best minds. And these three young men, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, were three of these bright young men. They're captured King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling. He decides he's going to build a statue, a gold statue of himself. 
And he says, every time you hear the music play, no matter where you are, you got to stop. You got to bow to the statue. So no matter where you are, if you're in downtown, if you're at your house, wherever you are, when you hear the music play, everyone must stop and bow down at the statue made of a golden image in my liking. And so he made this rule. If you don't, you're going to die. We're going to throw you into the fire. All this thing happens. Uh, everyone bows. The music starts playing. Everybody starts to bow every day. People are bowing. Except for three people, and their names were the three Hebrew children, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three young men would not bow when everybody else was bowing. I wish today I had some young people that wouldn't bow every time the world raises up another image, another statue, another idol for us to bow to, that we had some strong young people. When we do in the house, and I believe God's going to raise up more strong young people who won't bow to every idol that the world throws out there in front of us. It was made of gold. Well, we're pursuing anything that we think is going to bring worth and value. We will sell our soul and follow after that. But God is looking for a generation that will stand up in the middle of any idol. Come on now. And these three young men were not bowing down. They were not bowing down no matter what. And then some of the people who were jealous of these young men said, Oops, King. I know you got some favorites. I know you really like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they are not bowing down when the music plays, like you said. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the term snitches get stitches. <laughs> I can't stand the snitch. Here we go. Someone's always got to be snitching, right? That's another message all in itself. But <laughs> these disguise, they're telling on them. They're not bowing. These guys are tattletales. And the king brings the guys in and says, hey, listen, guys, you, you, you got to do something different. Look what Daniel 3.15 says. He brings the young men there. He says, I, the king told him, says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and to worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of musical instruments, but if you refuse, I will be thrown, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Let's say it together. Be thrown immediately into where? The blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? So we see something here. It's getting hot in here. Turn to your neighbor and tell him. It's getting hot in here. Somebody's turning up the heat. The heat is on. How will you respond? I think that's the question for all of us today. When the heat gets turned up in your life and you're going through your difficult challenges, how will you respond? Number one, this is how you respond. Remember who God is. Write that down. Remember who God is. How do I face my fears? By remembering who God is in my life. Some fears are small, such as maybe the first time you give your keys over to your children to drive away in the car by themselves for the first time. I remember doing this with my children. I'm like, man, God, I, I, whew, I've driven with them. Lord, please be with them. And you're wearing. And then they come to you shortly later. Like, hey, Dad, I want to drive across the, I want to drive across the U.S., you know. I want to drive halfway across. And I'm meeting some buddies or some friends. They're going to go do this and do that. And you're like, you can't. You're too young. You can't do that. Why? Because your fear is like gripping you. And then I remember about how I drove when I was 16. And how God saved my life when I was 16. 
and how God protected me through my stupid mistakes when I was 16 and 17 and 18. We'll stop there. And God protected me. And I begin to think, you know what? I drove across, halfway across America with a few buddies, and all we had was an atlas. Some of you don't even know what an atlas is. Look it up. It was a book of maps. That's how we, we didn't have GPS. We had a book of maps, and you had to look from state to state to see how you're going to get there and come up with the best plan. And you had a buddy reading the atlas. You had another buddy with binoculars looking out for the highway patrol and somebody else driving. All right. And how many know God protected us? God protected me. God protected you. He's going to protect my children. And so I can't let fear dominate me. I remember that, God, you protected me. And, God, you're going to protect my children. I've got to remember those things. But that doesn't mean that we won't face hardship. It doesn't mean that no matter what, that we won't have hard times. But God, what it means is this. God will turn it around for your good. God will turn your bad around for your good when you stay faithful to him. When you put your trust in him, God always turns it around for good. The three Hebrew children had received their new names. These were not their original names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not their original Hebrew names. They had received new names given to them from the Babylonian leadership. What were they doing? They were, they were trying to erase in these young men anything to do with their past. They were trying to erase their, their heritage. They were trying to erase how they view God. They were trying to erase who they are. And they were trying to reshape them to think Listen, young person, these three young men went to the brightest schools. They were being taught by the smartest professors, but they were trying to change their worldview of who God was. And just because you go to a state university, don't let the state university change your worldview of who God is to you. Hold true to the word of the Lord. Just because they're smart and God... Big degrees doesn't mean it's always the right way. Hold true to who God has raised you up to know. Hold true to the God of your youth. Hold true to the God of the Bible. Hold true to the God of our salvation. We don't bow to idols. We don't bow just because the world tells us to bow. Our trust is in the Lord. They couldn't shake their commitment. They tried everything they could. They couldn't get these guys to change their commitment. Why? Because they couldn't forget the goodness of God. They couldn't forget everything they'd been taught by a young age. See, they'd been taught this story in Exodus 34, 6, about when Moses said, God, show me who you are. Remember, God said, I'll put my hand over your eyes. I'll put you, hide you in the cleft of the rock, and you won't see me until I pass by, and then I'll drop my hand and let you see me from behind. And this is a story Moses said, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord your God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, abounding in goodness and truth, uh, overflowing, abounding, full of goodness and truth. They were taught this from a young age that our God is a good God. He is full of goodness. What's that mean? That means no matter what I'm going through in my life, God always turns it around for good in my life. God will always turn the bad around for good if I hold true to his promises, if I hold true to who he is in my life. He is full of compassion. He is full of goodness. That means I can't give up on God because he's always going to bring the goodness into my life. Don't, listen, 
Look at this statement. Don't let your fears define God's love. Let God's love define your fears. See, some of, many of us here, we're fearful. God, I, I, oh man, I know you, you're good and I know you got a lot for me, but oh, I'm fearful that it's not gonna happen. I'm fearful it's not gonna work out. And so we limit how much we think God can really love and bless us. But instead, it should be the other way around. It should be, I am so confident. The three Hebrew children were so confident. They were willing to give their life. They were so confident that God's goodness is so good that he's going to turn it around if they'll stand their ground. That even though they may be, may be exiled, they may be coming through times of slavery, they may be trying to be brainwashed, they can still rise up. They can still be called blessed. They can still be a place for God's blessing when they hold true, no matter how much the heat gets turned on. Listen, who God is matters more than anything else. Who God is matters more than anything else. Who God is matters more than your fears. Who God is matters more than your failures. Who God is matters more than the doubters. Who God is matters more than what you're feeling. I feel this way. I get it. But how many know your feelings will lie to you? Your feelings will not always be true because God is always faithful. God is always good. God is always full of compassion. God is always working on my behalf even when I don't see it. God, you are in control. And so as I say feelings, whoo, you're not gonna control me. Fear, you're not gonna control me. My trust is in the goodness of the Lord. That settles my fears. It allows me to define it, okay? It helps my fears not overwhelm me because I've defined my fears by according to God's love and goodness in my life. See, you will smile again because of who God is. You will laugh again because of who God is. You will love again because of who God is. You will trust again because of who God is. He's good. And number two, write this down. You got to... When you're going through the heat, man, you got to declare your faith. Declare your faith. This is the Hebrew children's response to the king after he tells them he's going to throw them in the furnace if they don't obey and bow. Look what they said now in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Wow, what a strong statement. Is God is able. God is able to serve. God is able to save. God is able to save us. He will rescue. Look what he says. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it very clear to you, your majesty. Notice the reverence here. God's here, but I give you, your majesty, we'll make it clear to you, king that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I love the boldness here. In the face of the fire, they say, King, we believe God can deliver us. King, we believe God has the power to do this. But even if he doesn't, we know we still win. We know that God is still in control. And we know that we will never ever turn our back on what God has done in our life. A lot of people 
have a faith that says, if you do this, then I will do that. God, if you answer this prayer, then I'll serve you this way. God, if you give me a better job, I'll start paying my tithe and offering. God, if you will just do this, I'll start going to church every week. God, if you only do this, I'll start serving and I'll, and I'll, I'll invite people. God, if you do this, and then I'll, I'll make sure people my job, I start bringing them to church. We make all these promises. You know, when I was young and immature, I would get in trouble and I would say, God, if you just don't let my dad give me a spanking, I'll saw, I promise I'll be good from this point on. In desperation, wasn't it? But how many know it doesn't work that way, right? And some of us as adults, that's the way we seem to God. God, if you just, that is not faith, and that's not how faith operates. The three Hebrew children just showed us that true faith moves from, look at this, true faith moves from if you do to even if he doesn't. That is true faith. God, I know you can do it. But even if you choose to answer my question another way, even if you answer my prayer request another way, even if you don't give me an answer right now, even if you don't, God, you are still God, and I'm going to trust you that the best is yet to come. That's true faith. That's mature faith. That's where God wants us all to live our life. They had it. Why was it important? Because we see what happens in this, this kind of faith. Even if I don't get the answer I want, God, I'll serve you. Even if I'm ridiculed, I will serve you. Even, even if it costs me my reputation, I will serve you. Even if it costs me something, I, I will serve you. Even if, God. Remember when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush? He said, go talk to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Moses said, well, who do I tell him? Send to me. And he said, you tell him I am that I am. What's your name? I, I am. I am. That's my name. I am. The great I am. That's who I am. Tell him I am sent you. We got to remember that. When you remember who God is in your life, you remember that's his name. I am. I am. God I says I am for you. I am the God who's for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? I am with you. Who can defeat you. I am your security. I am your rock. I am your shield. I am your comfort. I am your peace. I am your redeemer. I am your savior. I am your healer. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. If God is the great I am, then that means I am not. If he is, I am not. The more and the sooner I can admit that, the more I can put my full trust in him. I can, I'm limited. God, you're unlimited. God, I can't, but you can. So I'm going to humble myself, admit that I need you in every area of my life, and God, you're in full control. And because I've submitted my life to you, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to walk in the house of the Lord. I'm going to walk in the favor of the Lord. And God, you're going to turn all things around for my good when I trust in you and keep myself connected to you. And the last thing is find God in the fire. Number three, write that down. Find God in the fire. So the king, angered by the three Hebrew children's defiance, 
He said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it is. Bound them up. Guards, take them and throw them into the fire. And the Bible says the, the heat from the furnace and the fire was so hot that the guards who were taking them to throw them in actually died from the heat. That's how hot it was. They actually died from the heat exposure because of that's how hot it was. Time out. Wait a minute. Are you telling me these three Hebrew children stood up to the king, didn't bow to the idol, refused it even in the face of the fire, they got bound and they got thrown into the fire? That's not, wait, Pastor Gene, that's not right. God's supposed to save them from the fire. But let me tell you, God allows the faithful to go through the fire. Look at that statement. God allows the faithful to go through the fire. Many times, most of the time, we have to go through the fire. Very seldom does he save us from the fire. I want you to understand that. Just because you're in the fire today doesn't mean God has forgotten you. Doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Doesn't mean you didn't raise your children right. Doesn't mean that you've forgotten who God is. God is still in control and he's doing something in your life, even through the fire. See, sometimes, sometimes God doesn't save us from the fire, but he saves us through the fire. I can tell you I've been through the fire a lot in my life. Many times I've had to walk through the fire and I'm stronger having come through the fire. My faith is stronger in God than it ever has been in my life. Why? Because I've walked through the fire so many times in my life. I know that God, if you are for me, who can be against me? I know that God is faithful. I know that God causes all things to turn around for our good. I've been there enough, I can testify. You've been there, you can testify. And just because you're going through the fire, doesn't mean God has forgotten you. It means that God is ready to do something in your life. See, the miracle didn't happen before the furnace. It happened in the furnace. That's where the miracle was. They were bound going in, and then they were loose once they were in. You get that? They were bound before the fire. Now they're loosed in the fire. Some of you are bound right now. Some of you are walking in bondage. You got things that have been hanging on to your life, keeping you in bondage, fear, bitterness, hurt. You got things that are binding you. But listen, when you go through the fire, oftentimes it's in that hardest season that God wants to set you free. That's where God wants to work at. You need to know that. It's easy to feel abandoned when you're in the fire, but I'm here to encourage you today Know that God is still on the move. Know that God is still with you. God is still walking with you. God has not left you in the fire. And we see evidence of this in Daniel 3.25. The last verse I'm going to read. Look, he answered. This is the king talking. Look, I see four men loose. Wait, how many were thrown in? Three. Now he says, look, what is this? There are four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not even hurt. Come on now, some of you, you that's your biggest testimony. You walked through the fire that the enemy wanted to destroy your life, but you're not even hurt. 
He thought he was taking your joy. He thought he was taking your future. He thought he was taking your children. He thought he was taking your marriage. But what the enemy didn't realize, he was setting you up for even a greater blessing, Job. He was setting you up for even a greater miracle. He was setting you up to walk in faith. And in the darkest hour, in your the heat gets turned up, you realize, God, you're with me. The Bible says they were unharmed. They were unharmed. They were not even hurt. Matter of fact, when they came out, the king says, I don't even smell. You don't even smell like smoke. Some of you are walking through the fire and people don't even know it. Some of you are walking through the fire and people don't even smell smoke on you. Why? Because God's walking with you. Now let me ask you this. How did this wicked king know who the Son of God was? He didn't. He'd never seen the Son of God before. He didn't know who he was. But when he looked in the fire, he's like, that looks like the Son of God. Let me tell you this. That even when the wicked are out to destroy you, even when people who are wicked around you don't even understand, they can look and say, that's God on them. That's God in their life. That's God moving in their life. I don't understand it all, but that's got to be God. How did they survive that? That was God. How did they get through that? That was God. How did they walk free in the fire? That was God. Even the wicked, even the ones you want to destroy, you will have to acknowledge God was with you. And then the king says something. I believe it's one of the strongest statements in the Bible. We don't talk about it enough. But here's this king who had a golden idol built of himself, worshiping false idols. He looks and identifies, whoa, that's the son of God. And then he makes this statement about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. He goes, there is no God who can rescue like this. Wow. You got to understand that today. How do I build my faith? How do I have hope? Because you got to understand, there is no God who rescues like our God. There's no God who will rescue like our God. You got to protect yourself. You got to say it over yourself. You got to say it over your family. You got to say it over your children. Say it over your finances. Say it over your life. Say, there is no God who will rescue like our God. There is no God who will rescue like this. Our God specializes in the rescue. Daniel, he specializes. Jonah, David, Joseph. Come on now, Esther. Our God specializes in the rescue. There is no God who can rescue like this. No matter what you're facing today, there is no God who can rescue like this. Those at home that are watching online, there is no God who can rescue like this. Today, I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads, but I want to ask you this question. How many say, Pastor, you are preaching right to me because I'm in the middle of fire and I really need this day. Raise your hand, but you. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, come on. There you go. Let me, as you stand to your feet, let me tell you, you're either in the fire or you just get out of the fire, or you get ready to go into the fire, right? It's a, you're right there. None of us are that far away from the fire. While you just came out of it, we're getting ready to go into it, we're probably in the middle of it. And it's, we gotta remind ourselves who God is. What God can rescue like this? Our God, the great I am, 
That's who we serve. We remind ourselves. Declared by faith, we remind ourselves who our God is. All of his promises are for you and I today. I want you to raise your hands if you're going through the fire right now. I want to pray for you while you're standing. Father, I thank you that through the fire, you set us free. Through the fire, God, you do the greatest work. And I pray right now for every person going through the fire right now. May they know, may they feel, and may they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, you are walking with them right now. And I pray to Father, they become loosed in Jesus' name. And you begin to untie them, what the enemy's done to destroy. That God, now you're going to cause them to walk out with blessing. Father, in Jesus' name. God, we're not going to give up in the fire, but God, we're going to hold true. We're going to look straight ahead, God, and keep our eyes fixed on you. God, I thank you, God. You're the God in the middle of the fire, and God, today you are bringing people through the fire in Jesus' name. If you received that word, put your hands together. Amen. Come on now.